people deluded i'm back again welcome back to another installment of the deluded podcast the dg podcast for short thank you for tuning in each and every time now people i'd like to say an extended apologies people if that's even a thing because as you lot know if you follow me on social media i thought i uploaded the correct episode but i accidentally did the wrong one and my Mac was playing with my emotions and it wasn't letting me export the mp3 again from the file which would have been this week's installment so i apologize for everybody that obviously follows me on youtube and was thinking yo where's the where's 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 the deluded podcast in that you told us it's a new episode and it's not so i apologies people man you're not no i never do you dirty and to be honest with you on this tuesday evening i'm not gonna lie to you i don't want to be doing this right now not because I don't want to speak to you lot, it's because I'm tired, man. Been at work all day. You don't know how the London underground is. Just taking a shower and whatnot. Want to go eat my dinner. It's around nine o'clock, but I signed up for this life, man. So apologies, people. And if you don't follow me on, on YouTube and all the other platforms and you've just come across my stuff via Instagram or Spotify, Instagram's the wrong words, um, Spotify and all these other platforms, make sure you check out the YouTube content. I said Instagram, I mean that must be my subconscious plug in my latest video where I did a little bit of playing around with tactics and a couple live examples. It would have went on YouTube but YouTube does you dirty people with the copyright man. It's a madness but apologies. So enough of waffling now man, let's crack on with what actually matters man. First and foremost let's start with something serious people before we get on to Joe Gomez and Raheem Sterling. On a serious note. Ukraine, Shakhtar Donetsk, um, to be honest, I don't have the information in front of me. Give me one second, people. I've done you lot dirty. But in short, Shakhtar Donetsk player Tyson and I believe the other player, Dettino, have sadly been on the receiving end of racist abuse playing for Shakhtar Donetsk in Ukraine. Now, we know this just follows on from the latest of incidences um, that you've seen all over the globe in many different countries. We can say over here in England, we can speak about Balotelli. If it's not Italy one week, it's Ukraine and the next one the other week. Obviously, 2019 has been... Obviously, racism has not gone away, people. But this is just another another highlight, people. And to be honest with you, they for his rate... I don't... I, let me actually find the article, people, because I do believe... Um, it was by opposition fans of Dynamo Kiev. Um, he put that he was actually sent off for swearing at them. Him and uh, him, um, him and his teammate for reacting. People it was quite upsetting to hear they being sent off for reacting. Um, and it was sad. Like obviously, I wasn't watching the game, but I seen the footage. He's reduced to tears, people, and it's sad, man. This is a thirty. This is someone who's thirty-one years of age. I'm not watching Shakhtar the next week in week out, people. But he's been there for a number of years. I'm sure he's played Champions League, people. He's been there since 2011. He's obviously lived in Ukraine and earning a living. He's not killing no one. He's not selling drugs. He's, he's earning a legit living. And you wouldn't think a footballer should have to go through any of this nonsense, people. He's done nothing but pay his taxes and whatnot into the into the country, if, if that's how it works, people. So why an honest citizen that just goes about his job first and foremost, let alone a footballer, is racially abused, is sad, people. And to hear he's been sent off and see him move to tears... Nothing's going to change. We know Dynamo Kiev, they're going to get a slap on the wrist, probably a fine, maybe um, a, a stadium closure or partial closure. Either way, we all know it's not going to be of significance, people. Um, it's sad. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. All I can say to Tyson is keep your head up. First and foremost, black is beautiful. Never let any racist try and degrade you or make you feel any less of a person for your black skin. We've gone through enough as a people as it is. 
Um, second and foremost, don't think you was in the wrong and regret your reactions because either way, you would have had to live with this, my dude, man. And I would, if I was you, I believe you've honestly done the right thing because if you didn't react, obviously it still feels crappy either way, but if you didn't react, you might have had to hold that in you and think, why didn't I say something for the rest of your life? So hold your heads up. For me, it's sad as well because a lot of people will look at players playing in these sort of countries and look at it with kind of, I wouldn't say necessarily a wrong view, but a kind of simple view in that, okay, you know you're going to get racially abused in Italy, in Ukraine, etc., etc. Why are you not going? Why are you not going out there sort of thing, people? Um, and they're right in that regards. You're fully right to say that, people. That's how I think to a degree. Don't like, when Lukaku went to Inter Milan, like, don't get me wrong, first and foremost, regardless of your skin colour and whatnot, you should be allowed to go and play and earn the living wherever you want to go. But you've got to be sensible. I'm pretty sure, let's be real people, we all looked at that Inter Milan deal and thought, I wonder how long it is before Lukaku is racially abused. That's not me being putting a dim view on certain societies. That's just the realness, people, if we just cut the crap. Um, and and it's obviously it's obviously happened. But that's a rather simple view to look at it, people. You look at you countries like Ukraine and other countries. Again, I'm, I, I might be completely waffling here, but I assume their work permit laws around football specifically are slightly more react, relaxed. Sorry. And Portugal is completely different, but the same. That's why, why you see a typical, a large amount of not just Brazilians, but South American players as a whole typically... One of their obviously they go to the typical countries, the big five in the big five, big six leagues. But typically, you see a lot of them go to the Ukraines and nations like that, and then before going off to other clubs in Europe, or sometimes in Tyson's case, Tyson, sorry, they stay. Wasn't William at Shakhtar the next people? And I bet you he has a story to tell. Paulinho, who's I don't even know if he's in China right now, but formerly of Spurs and Barcelona. He was in Bulgaria. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm sure I can't be facts, people. I don't think Firmino played in any weird sort of different nation in, in relation to his career, but I'm sure he had a trial somewhere. Um, you see a lot of African players as well. You look at Inaki Williams. He's a son of he's the descendants of immigrants who immigrated to Spain, and players like Balotelli as well. Um, so they're born into it. Obviously, your st people are leaving, no disrespect, but trying to leave third world poverty. You look at the extreme lengths Koulibaly, Mane and players like that have taken to playing people. Um, obviously, Koulibaly's in Italy and has been in Naples in a number of years. And I commend Koulibaly because Naples is a place I can't lie, people. It's a beautiful place, but it's a place I'm not going. People that are of lighter tone than me have told me, people, that, yo, listen, Naples is not the place you want to go to. Like, people I've worked with have told me, listen, mate, DJ, you don't want to go there, mate. Listen, it's not one of them. Trust me, people. It's not. It's not one of them. But go where you want, man. Never let, never let any racists and all these sort of things discourage you from going anywhere. But me personally, I'm not on it. But moving on from that sort of dim view, hopefully these idiots get some common sense. We all know racism, sadly, is a self. It's it's a it's a disease that just simply eats at the brain. It robs you of all common logic, people. But Let's not spend any more time on them sort of individuals there, man. Raheem Sterling and Joe Gomez, people. Now, everybody's seeing everything. Jo uh, Sterling's in the squad, but not in the squad in that he's not going to play, but he's still with the group. I understand Southgate's thinking, but I don't understand it because surely if he's if you've deemed he's really done wrong, surely he can't be half in, half out, people. He's either got to come out of the squad completely, um, 
what is this? Obviously, he's got he's obviously got a good relationship with Raheem Sterling generally as a person. Raheem Sterling's typically performing for club and country and the model professional. It took a while for the Daily Mail and all of these sort of people to start singing Raheem Sterling's praises. But you can probably imagine, people, that as soon as they heard that, a lot of people that probably got sacked off from the Daily Mail probably ripped one last little article and probably faxed it in before everybody woke up for work. Um, you can imagine Piers Morgan's delight, people. And for people, so for some pundits, it's probably a, a two for two for one week because you heard Moise Keane, people. I'm going off topic, but Moise Keane's been dropped or something from Everton for discipline issues. So I know Sooners must be licking his lips and saying, DG, I told you. To which he did. Um, but obviously, I made a video about that. But um, on a serious note, people, sad to see Raheem Sterling obviously is not going to be able to play in the next international games for England. Um, obviously, it's obviously on a serious note, it's probably it's gone too far from both sides. We'll never know the true ins and outs of Joe Gomez versus Raheem Sterling. Apparently, from what reports I'm seeing on Twitter and publications, it was a thing where it's kind of bowled over in that. Joe Gomez is more or less coming from behind to shake his hand. I don't know if it's a banter thing and whatnot. And Raheem Sterling's reacted, people. And you can, long story short, there was probably handbags. You are seeing images of Gomez with a scratch on his eye. Now it's, it's a scratch, people. So it's a scratch. It's an inconvenience. It's a, ain't no madness. It's a scratch. I don't know what Raheem Sterling was doing there, but it's a scratch. But for me, I like to see the passion, people. I like to see the passion between the two players because... Again, there's a limit and there's a balance, but didn't did the other, a lot of people speaking on this? If we go back here, yeah, I know Gomez and Sterling aren't. I'm not using them as direct examples, but people accused players of their generation, or in particular these young English players that are playing together for country, but playing for rival clubs of the top six. They claim that they're lacking this sort of passion and fight. I'm speaking now in relation to obviously what happened on the pitch with Sterling and Gomez. You can't have your cake and eat it. You, you, you say don't show passion. Them and they are showing passion. It is what it is. For Sterling, clearly these egos got the best of him and it would be too. It's boiled over. But it's nice to see the passion. When potentially it got a bit personal. I did... Obviously, you got to be professional. But I did think from both sides there was a bit of naughty challenges for like Robertson when he kind of pushed um, Carl Walker into the boards. Not... I don't want to speculate, but a couple naughty ones. I was thinking, you lot's professional. You've got to be a bit careful now, really. Um... Apparently, they had a bus stop. They've blessed it. You've seen Sterling's, um, obviously, statement on Instagram and all that positive PR. Apparently, Gomez pleaded with Southgate on Raheem Sterling's behalf, assuming after they've made up not to send him home. And he's decided as a punishment, he'll drop him against Montenegro. Now, um, for me, people will never know the ins and outs. And we're not a team and whatnot. So I can't really be commenting on without real accuracy. But surely, it's either they both are in the squad still or not still. Because surely you got to make an example now. If Gomez is the victim in this case, then cool, fair enough. But surely take the both of them out and avoid this whole talking point. I also have to say, could this not have been handled internally, people? I know it's bowled over. Obviously, it would have come out, but there's ways to go against this. I think they should have kept Sterling in this in 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 the squad. They could have spanned this in the whole competitiveness and you know football and athletes and whatnot. But they made it up, and that's the end of it. And it stays merely at speculation. But nah. I don't think there should be question marks on Raheem Sterling's professionalism and all these things, but it opens up the door to a lot of hate Raheem Sterling could potentially get. Gomez, the same for his part, people. But I personally like to see it. These are, what, I swear Gomez originally is from, like, what, Catford in South. Sterling's from St. Raphael's, which is Northwest. So they're from two nitty-gritty areas. They're prideful people. They don't take bad up. You can't just... You can't forget these people are... 
are, are human and their experiences have shaped them. Obviously, they have to act a certain, certain sort of way, but they're human at the end of the day. I personally think it's nice to see, obviously, from the banter perspective, it's nice to see the handbags. For me, it's nice to see the passion. Um, and that should be the end of it, really and truly, man. I think Southgate's not really handled this kind of well. He's kind of been half in, half out. Apparently, allegedly, reports are coming out, actually, that... Um, members of the side of England side actually isolated from this so third parties they don't really understand Sterling's being Sterling's exclusion allegedly and obviously um felt like like me that it could have been handled better people really and truly it um and it potentially could have but it is what it is in that regards man so moving on to that from that people I made a video about it but the whole Aubameyang Arsenal fan TV troop stuff now shout out to my guy troops man that's my guy but Again, you saw, you heard initial reports of Ornstein coming out and saying the club of Exat relate the relationship that Aubameyang and troops have. You've seen Aubameyang come out with the Instagram post, whether that's an indirect at the club, if its reports are to be believed people, or if that's at the lies of Ornstein. For all we know, the club might have not said anything to Aubameyang, which is my case now, um, what I believe. Um, but my opinion is, I like to see the fan relationship. Obviously, when people look at troops... I like to see a, a guy from ends progressing. Like, he's gone from a certain sort of reality to being on, on FIFA. You can't help but admire that. But because of who he is as a person, he gets a lot of love. He gets a lot of hate. So a lot of that, of, of, of on top of Aubameyang's admiration for troops, people can, their hate for troops spreads to Aubameyang. So imagine Aubameyang weren't informed. They would probably look at him and say, oh, is this and that. I like to see it because obviously... Troops is a fan, isn't it? So it's nice to see the f for, for uh, in professional football. I know they got social media and that, but Aubameyang's really in touch with the fans. Fair enough, Troops is a special sort of Arsenal fan in the sense of no fan is better than the other. But obviously, you know he's you know with the YouTube and that. Um, but it's nice. It's nice to see a good relationship, a genuine relationship. It's nice to see people, and that's what it is, man. It's keeping in touch with the working class and whatnot. And Aubameyang is someone that's clearly man them really, and it's nice to see. I like to see the relationship between them two and just fans in general, people. I mean, I would have loved to have seen Ty and Wenger have a good relationship and whatnot, people. I like to see it because at the end of the day, we're all spending all heap of money. Um, whether we're going to games, whether you're watching it on subscriptions, whether you're waking up like a lot, I know a lot of. My followers do in whatever country you are at stupid times. I've always had admiration for you like that watch games in other nations because of the time zone, people. But pre-season made me really admire you lot, people. Because obviously Arsenal were not playing um, where the time zone was certified. So I'm waking up at the crack attack, crack of stupid o'clock, crack of dawn. And I've, I'm, the game's finished. I'm doing a review. I'm getting all 30 minutes sleep before I have to wake up and go work. So I have an admiration for you lot, man. But I like to see it. Um... Obviously, we know the old AFTV Arsenal is this and that, is it affecting performances and stuff. I believe it's a good platform. I do believe certain individuals abuse it, use agendas, whether that's agendas for managers in, managers out, players in, players out, whatever. You don't know with social media, not just on AFTV. Um, most, most platforms, there's guys trying to get five minutes of fame, but I take a lot of them comments, not directly personal, but it's me, people. Like, I don't rant and rave and carry on and start agendas. I just happen to talk on YouTube about football and whatnot. And I'm not disrespecting any people beyond constructive criticism. So I take that as a shot at me, people. I can't... Arsenal fans can only be accountable for themselves in my same way. But I take a lot of them comments quite seriously and quite personally, people. Um, 
it is what it is. Obviously, Robbie's built a platform of having a platform for fans and not hiding stuff where it's winning, losing, or drawing. Obviously, with YouTube, you've got to be very strategic. So you can see how things go, people. But yeah, man. I mean, I'd love to. I hope Aubameyang stays. But if I'm honest with you, if if I'm him, I'm not gonna stay at Arsenal, people, because it doesn't make sense for me personally. Because I'm thirty. Yeah. If Arsenal had, if Arsenal's playing like Chelsea right now and the young G's were doing their thing, and we could say, ah, right, you know, we might get top four, could sneak on a third in this season, we could see what we could do in the Champions League, we can have some decent memories. If it was a thing like that, then Aubameyang might stay, and he still might stay. He's comfortable in London, like he's obviously Troops doesn't really, Troops is not going to factor in if Aubameyang stays or goes, but he's cool with the fans and Troops, and he's someone the players admire. At his point in his career, does he want to stay where he's loved? He's settled in London. He seems to relish the lifestyle, adored by fans and whatnot. There's a um, there's a there's a big enough character, obviously called the team captain, big enough character stay. But same time, people, he's thirty. It's all good, and we've got a young squad. But it's not necessarily the best of things for Aubameyang because the his career is short. It's all well having Martinelli, Saka, and these players, and they're not. I'm not disrespecting these players, but we want in the next three years these players could be crazy people, and I do believe we could have some great players of these men here in the next three years. But Aubameyang will be what 30, 32, 33. Do you get it in in that three years? Does he want to spend the next three years going through this squad, this young squad's teething problems? Well, necessarily we don't know if the manager can turn it around or is the man to do this. People, who knows? So if I was Aubameyang, I'd keep it moving, and it is. A delicate situation and it is one we're going to have to address in the summer similar to to Ozil and Alexis Sanchez we're going to have to really nip this one in the bud potentially Laka or Aubameyang depart in the summer and we keep things moving you could say we keep Aubameyang he's what he looks like he's going to score goals until day he calls it a day so within the next season and a half you shape up other areas of the squad while looking for a striker where you would probably have to spend a pretty penny to replace Aubameyang or do you sell Aubameyang now for that 70-odd million? Potentially go out and either buy another striker, which would be my first option. Because if you sell Aubameyang for 70 million, you probably got to put all of that and a bit more change on another striker. Whether he's better than Aubameyang or same level, the fact for me would be 20 league goals minimum is coming out of this club. Um, if Aubameyang leaves at any point now, people, if other players step up, that's a different thing. And I know we haven't had the best of seasons, um, but... And ironically, Aubameyang has only had three shots in the last of three, three away games. So Emery's got a pattern up. But where would we be as a side without Aubameyang's goals, people? You see, whether you're fighting relegation, top four, winning leagues, how vital a striker is. So we need to bring someone that guarantees that. You lot know me. I'm repping Lacazette. I love Lacazette. He's a lovely player. Technically, he scores goals. But is he a 20-league goal man? No, he's not right now. If he does it this season, then cool. But um, we know he's had injuries in these things. But... I think if Aubameyang had these injuries and these sort of things, he whatever you say, Aubameyang, apologies, is a striker that's getting 20 league goals. So there is a case to sell either one for balance purposes. There is a case to sell Lacazette and persist with Aubameyang or sell Aubameyang and bring in another striker or let Lacazette be that striker and maybe go for a winger of top quality that can score goals. Look to go with a sort of angle, not the same, but what Liverpool have in that. They've got a 4-3-3. If you had to describe anyone as a striker, really, you'd say Firmino's probably the one most comfortable there. I know Salah scores goals, people, but Firmino's done that for Brazil. He's probably the, he's a false nine, but he's probably the most number nine of all of them people. Do you get it? So if we bring in another striker, we have Lacazette, it won't be the same. But if you potentially have two wingers, you can already kill that debate in that I do think O'Brien and Lacazette should be on the same field at the same time. 
But generally, one isn't always going to be a necessarily goal-scoring central areas if both play. So I hear that, people. We can't repeat the Alexis and Ozil saga in that both are... The contract stuff is going on and it's looking like both and then one stays and... We've got a nip this in the bud. The club need to decide, yo, listen, Laka's got one year longer than Aubameyang. Let's sell him. Aubameyang's the goal scorer, forgive me if I'm wrong. Let's sell him. We can't go through that with both players. They've got to nip this in the bud. Get both play get one signed under a new contract, even if you have to pay a bit more. Um, probably preferably Aubameyang because he's replicating the form and that. Um, do that and then move forward. We can't... Or, or you it, it takes big balls, people, but you'd have to sell both. And that's why Arsenal need a trainer, coach, or someone that can move forward with a with a squad even more now, even more than in the future, people. Um, and this is why. And people, in short, here's why you probably need, we need a trainer, coach. Now, if you look at it, for obvious reasons, Arsenal do not have on the face of it any sort of, there's not one single fragment you watch Arsenal and you take it away from them. Sheffield, you know, they're all about spirit. City, good technically. Liverpool, good technically. Fight from the start to the end Chelsea progressive football you can't even you can't say anything about this Arsenal side and a lot of that is down to the players but the overriding factor people is Una Emre really it, it is there's you can't say this is a defensive side despite the fact that he makes pragmatic decisions because we can't defend this he out leads yeah you can say we've got great attacking players but are they all playing to their potential you probably say even Aubameyang isn't and that's through no fault of his own Again, there's no real tactics or emphasis on tactics, especially in away games. You have a striker that scores 20 league goals that shared the golden boot last season. In his last three Premier League away games, he's had three shots. Fair to say that's three different sets of defences that are laughing really and truly, people. And why, would, and why wouldn't you really and truly? Um, we've, for me, a trainer coach is vital because I call it plan Z. What, a contingency plan in the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario in Arsenal's case is that we again miss out on top four, 45 million gone, might struggle to attract players. We've got Aubameyang and Laka without it, but struggle to um, attract players and just in general make our life harder. If we do miss out on that, and obviously Ozil isn't a main player like that, but Ozil's 2021, Lacazette the prospect of leaving, Aubameyang the same. And obviously on the face of that, if them three, if them three players um, leave, you, we need to bring in a creative midfielder anyways because Sabios is leaving or someone with that skill set. So you've got to fix that. We've got we're light in midfield anyways, but Jack is leaving, so you've got that. You've got however many goals combined, Lacazette and Aubameyang is there. So we've either got to promote a young striker, whether that's Tyrese, Eddie, and whatnot, to come and help share the burden. If they can do that, that's another thing, people. Um, but at the same time, we probably have to bring somebody else in. And when you look at it, I don't need to tell you the several young players, teenagers to, to um, mid-20s in our side. Torreira's been linked with a move away, linked with Milan, as has Xhaka today as well, people. Um, you've got them, you've got Gwendozi, you've got you've even the mate Lenaus, whatever position he is. You've got the young wingers, you've got Saliba and Holding, Tierney's not... Tini's experience, but my point is um, he's still young. You've got a young squad dotted around the whole the whole team, and it's about how does this team take shape. First, it starts with the back five. Leno's linked with Bayern Munich, and he's not the oldest of keepers. That man has made 49 shots. Since he's come here, has he had a competent defence to work forward with? No. So it's about Bellerin, Holding, Saliba, Tini, a system for them. And none of these players right now are in the main teams for Arsenal, bar the fullbacks. Holding's form doesn't warrant that, and Saliba's yet to play. But if you look at it, You've got Socrates, you've got Luis, you've got players in this side dotted around that are approaching the wrong side of 30. So we're really, 
We need someone that can, to be fair, Una and the club did do decent business in the summer, but we need someone who can train these young players, someone who in the next three to four years, every year or every period, we are seeing his team take shape and whatnot. We're not seeing that with Emery, because even if we wanted Aubameyang to stay, why would he stay, people? Um, I know I touched on it earlier, but three years, Saka, it's great for Saka in that, but if we're still in the same situation, it's three wasted years for Lacazette and Aubameyang. You've got, obviously, you've got Socrates to leave as well. I mean, like I've mentioned, on the wrong side of 30. Mustafi, obviously, Mustafi is a double asterisk on my paper, people, because he's in a different case scenario and that he's been told to go. But we're going to have to rebuild again, and we have to get this right. Arsenal love the rebuild. We've done this rebuild thing with, obviously, sourcing players from elsewhere. Then we tried to do up homegrown. Then we thought we was un, um, away from the financial burdens, I'd say 06 to 012. We went all 13, 14 and whatnot, winning FA Cups. Um, obviously, lack, not Lacazette, Alexis came and Ozil came to go with Santi. We thought, yo, listen, we signed DM, we do this, we do that. We've got a decent team. We've had to re And then we've gone to this Arsenal team where it's been stripped, where we're in another project, people. And then we'll face prospects of another unfinished project. We love unfinished projects, people. But... um. We need to we need to do we need to do much better in that in that regards in my humble in my humble opinion man because it's 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 vital people because if we go through the same stuff again it's gonna be a madness. Do you get Arteta in and do you surround him with, with experienced backroom staff? Maybe that's an issue. But for me, if we don't get top four, which is probably gonna be the case, then we need to go back to basics, people. We need to think what do we want this team to go to look at in three or four years and we need to find a coach that has a philosophy that has a proven track record of improving his or his side or whatever side year in year out because also as well i'm going a bit off topic but if you look at it martinelli's probably a striker but he plays as a left winger at times what specific player do we want to we need to have a, a coach where and i think the players are do, the club is doing this sorry okay we've got Matteo, we've got um, martinelli Long term, do we want it to take the mantelpiece from Aubameyang? Okay, how do we get him there? Do you get individual specific plans? Matteo Guendouzi, good pra um, Guendouzi, lovely, lovely form since he's been at the club and a lovely rise. But what specific midfielder do we want him to be? Box to box, deep lying. If so, we want him to be a man in this team, the man to take this team forward or help in the future and be someone that probably got captain material. You've got to improve him defensively. Do you get it, people? Torreira, how do we, what are we, what's our specific plans for him? The, the, the Joel Willock, the biggest case, because in the last few games, he doesn't really know what he should be doing. Do we want him to be box-to-box -box attacking, whatever? Do you get it? Specific plans for the Nelsons, the Emils, Eddies too, because the next three, four years are going to be crucial. We can't afford to get this one wrong again, people. It's a madness. It, it's nothing short of a madness. Moving forward, there's been some transfer news as well that we might as well speak about. It's it's nothing. It's, it's, it's nothing really, people, but... Yeah, we might as well just go through it quickly, man, really quickly. Um, see my Twitter DMs that I DM myself. But our old manager, not manager, our old player, linked with being manager, Patrick Vieira said he feels sorry for Xhaka. He's actually said, I feel sorry for him because he was the captain and he's going through a really difficult period and a really difficult time at Arsenal. I think we have to remind ourselves that he's achieved a lot since he's at Arsenal. And he deserves a lot of respect. He deserves a lot of respect from a human being person um, point of view, Patrick, and away from being scapegoated. I don't necessarily agree with achieved a lot. He's played a lot and he's played with commitment. I've never had to question if Xhaka wants to play for this club or not, um, apart from when he brought it into dispute with the captain stuff. But a lot of success is subjective, my guy. Maybe Vieira's comments are in, um, keeping on defence because he's 
probably iron up this job in the future. But he said, carried on to say, when you're a player and you don't perform the way you expect, you get frustrated about yourself. And sometimes you say things or do things you regret. I know how good he is and he will come through this difficult period because he's a strong man. He's a good player. Fair enough, man. From a human point of view, I'd like to see Xhaka get through it. Arsenal have also been linked with Martins people, Mertens better yet, of Napoli. The 32-year-old is being watched by Juventus, Spurs, Arsenal and a couple other clubs because his contract is up at the end of the season. Would it make sense for Arsenal to sell him? I mean, to buy him? Potentially not. Um, he's 32. He's going to want a decent outlay on terms of his contract, probably his last contract. We've just spoken about the need for a rebuild. Is he going to necessarily improve our team to the level we want? No. So there's no point going for Mertens, despite the fact he's a decent player. And for me, he's really coming to his own since... I swear he was a bit more of a winger for time, people. And it's like he's converted he converted into a striker at a period. And he's really taking his game up to another level, people, in my opinion. But moving forward, we've got Petit. Petit has had some stuff to say about Arsenal people. Petit has gone on to say, I believe it's time for Una Emre to leave Arsenal. The results are not good at all. I don't recognise this team anymore. I don't recognise this club anymore. You can always bet on Petit to say the realness, people, and say as it is. He said... People may laugh at me, but I wouldn't mind seeing a former player on the bench. Is there a former a former Arsenal great you can call? Like Thierry on real Patrick Vieira? Pick one. There are so many. You even have Freddie Lomberg in the dugout already. I want to see passion, emotion, someone who, when he takes your hand, you can feel the electricity. I want someone who can bring that to the Arsenal dressing room because they need to wake up. Big up him, big, big up... Um, Petit for the realness. And we've got apparently 18-year-old Colorado Rapids midfielder Cole Bassett, who I've never seen in my life, is going to train with Arsenal's under-23s for a week in, in the near-distant future. Um, probably a part of that is obviously the links between Colorado and Arsenal. I mean, we've seen Shea, is it Bert Shea or Break Shea or something like that, train at Arsenal before. We've seen this sort of thing before. Um, we've got a good partnership, so if he is good enough to cut his teeth in Europe and Arsenal are able to bring him and he can either progress to the first team, I've never seen him play, or be sold for a profit or whatever, then that's good for us. Obviously, on the face of it, he'll probably spend a week, train with Arsenal's under-23s, might even play in a game, get to probably assess his level, get to see, obviously be with the coach and staff at Arsenal, get different tips on how he can improve and what he should improve. And ultimately, it'll be a good experience, man. I'm sure he plays for Colorado. I'm sure he's got ambitions to play in Europe. So he might see, okay, this midfielder, that midfielder, this is what I need to add into my game, really. Um, so, yeah, he said, as most people know, this is my favourite club. I don't know which team it will be because an international break. Hopefully, there will be a couple players missing with the first team and I can get with them. But I'm just excited to get over there and show up. When Arsenal came over here and played us, oh, I remember this guy. You could, no, I don't remember him. I don't. I thought I remembered him off this picture, but I don't. But he said, when Arsenal came over here and played us, you could see our, there are little things that they do I just don't quite have yet. I'm eager, eager to learn things from them. Picking up things from every player will improve my game. It's going to be a great learning experience. So big him up, people. Um, apparently, Man City will not stand in, in Arteta's way if Arsenal look for him to become new manager. But yeah, um, our manage, current manager, Una Emre, has been in Lyon, obviously as part of the Away for Elite Club Coaches segment. Um, so yeah, man, it, it, is what it, it is what it is. It's testing, time, it's testing times for Arsenal of, of sorts, people. Um, moving forward, though, we might as well crack on with the Premier League now. 
Um, Arsenal versus Leicester. Now it's the latest defeat. Arsenal are now winless in our last five away games since beating Newcastle on the opening weekend. Losing three, drawing two. Obviously, Leicester, Liverpool, and I can remember the next game if you give me some time. Leicester, Liverpool. Wait, Leicester, Liverpool, Sheffield United on the Monday. They're the grounds that you need to go through if you want to get top four to turn it around. And we dropped points. We don't deserve top four. It is what it is in that regard. So, yeah. Obviously, Leicester have won three consecutive top flight home games against Arsenal for the first time in history. Sadly, Arsenal have only earned 87 points from their 50 games under Una Emre, winning 25, losing 13 during 12. One fewer than they won in their final games, 50 games under Arsene Wenger, which was winning 27, during, during 7 and losing 16. Um, yeah, people. Leicester have won five Premier League home games in a row for only the second time. Arsenal, sadly, well, Aubameyang has had three shots in his last away games. You look at, after 60 minutes, how many times we shot. You look at the games, the statistics, how many shots we had, people. I swear we had one shot on target. Exactly, we had one shot on target, which was in the 20th minute from Lacazette, who did have about four good opportunities to convert. Um, so it's disappointing from an Arsenal perspective. I'm not even going to go over the numerous stats. Um, it, it was an appalling game, really and truly. Um, Leicester have obviously amassed 26 points from 12 games this season. Their most ever at a point at, at the... At a, point in the top flight this campaign i mean at their most points um at this stage in the top flight campaign which is very good because the last time they did something similar they won the league so you've got to take them seriously for top four arsenal are sadly on 17 points minus one goal difference it's our worst start to the season after 12 games since 82 83 we've also um but we also had 17 points in 2014-15, but our goal difference was plus five. So this tells you everything about Emery's team. No bite in attack, no no heart in defence, nothing in between in the sandwich, no content in the middle in midfield, people. It was a disgracing performance because for me, Leicester didn't have to be at, at 60%, people. They didn't even have to be at 40% to beat us. That's probably one of the easiest, and I say that, Leicester have been handing it to us in recent weeks, recent games. It's probably the easiest Arsenal versus Leicester game for Leicester than it's ever been. Leicester have had to work harder against lesser sides this season to get three points. We were never in it, really. Camped in our own half. Yeah, there was a little tactical thing I could see. Aubameyang and Lacazette trying to discourage the fullbacks from um, getting the ball from their centre-halves and goalie. There was no midfield. I mean, I get what was trying to do in midfield, flooding it with 3-4-3 with, uh, three, three of sorts, but it changed as Ozil kind of pressed as a false nine and the strikers split. There's them sort of mentalities there is good if there's a balance, but we I don't you don't get the feeling that Una Emre truly ever wants to win a match of football. It was disgraceful. Again, it showed the same defensive errors. Both of their goals were identical. People more or less. People defenders are not looking over their shoulders. Vardy's able to get a goal and an assist off that. And I mean Vardy's got nine goals in 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 nine Premier League starts against Arsenal, excluding probably Wayne Rooney. Robbie Fowler and Harry Kane and maybe Jogba, he, he, he's one of the players that have terrorised Arsenal the most, one of the strikers. So where is the homework being done? These players talk about video analysis, but you lot have seen me make videos looking at our defensive errors. We're making the same mistake week in, week out. For me, I've lost all confidence in Emre. There's no structure in the team. It's very defeative. It's very flat. It's very stale. Players don't have any ideas. Um... I hear Emery saying we need to remain calm and stuff like that. I'm calm. You just need to leave, really and truly. I, the less said about this game, the better, people. Shout out to James Madison because um, 
Apparently he scored more goals from outside the box than any other player in the Premier League this season. Obviously Vardy on 11 goals is the Premier League's top goal scorer. But it is disappointing for Arsenal. I've given up on top four. I want to bring in another manager. Let's all pull in the same direction. And let's just focus on giving these young players experiences and actually take the Europa League seriously, people. Car for me, it's over now. Mathematically, it's there. But I don't see any galvanisation. I don't see any togetherness. Nobody gave you a chance against Leicester. Probably people in your close circle. Footballers don't live in a bubble. Nobody gave you a chance. Leicester are in great form. Leicester away. Leicester are difficult to play anyways, let alone at their home place. It's a it's a, it's an evening fixture. It's wet. The fans and, the, and Leicester players probably know Arsenal are a soft touch, so they're relishing it even more, that little bit more. And these things would hurt my pride. And if I'm an Arsenal player, I want to leave that field knowing I gave my all, knowing we lost to the better team, knowing that I proved people wrong and people have to take my thing seriously in regards to top four. None of that was displayed at all, people. And Leicester knew they was getting three points. I mean, people can say we was in the game for 60, 70-odd minutes when they got their two goals. But I mean, come on now. It's Arsenal versus Leicester. No disrespect to them because they're a much better team than us. Should we really be happy that we're in it for 70 minutes? Do you think Leicester was? Do you think Brendan Rodgers was happy at half-time? You can tell they got a bollocking because you're coming out and Didi's hitting our crossbar, people. You can tell. What is said continuously at half-time with Arsenal, people? And again, I always talk about Emre is not proactive. He's reactive. It's nil-nil. Brendan Rodgers... Um, who's having more possession and whatnot in the game. He's making changes. Emre's only making changes when we've gone behind. Forgive me if I'm not exactly wrong, but that's what genuinely what it feels like, people. It's not. It's too little, too late half the time. And it's not of the level to help us. Like it just, it just, I just don't understand Una Emre sometimes. It doesn't make no sense what he does. Um, so the less said about Arsenal, the better. Obviously, Chelsea versus Crystal Palace, a team that can actually go 2-0 up against Palace. And lo and behold, keep a clean sheet, walk away with three points. At least one London team can do it. Sadly, it's not my team. You've got to take Chelsea seriously in regards to the top four. It's their sixth consecutive um, Premier League win. First time they did that since May 2017, when they last won the Premier League t um, title on, uh, by Chelsea standards. Um, Lampard is obviously the seventh English manager to win sixth consecutive Premier League games. It was done in 2012 with Alan Pardew. You've got to admire Chelsea, an average squad age of 24 and 88 days. Um, Chelsea named their youngest ever starting 11 in the Premier League and the youngest in any Premier League team this season. So who said you can't do anything serious with kids, people? Obviously, the sentiment and the mood can change at Chelsea. Again, the season's not over, but their young players are doing well. Players are making a difference. Lampard's quickly showed them what he wants from them and they're replicating it. But we're here with with Uno Emery talking about we still need this, he needs that. He's been in 15, 15 long months. 15 months too long, really. Um, shout out to Roy Hudson for overseeing his 300th Premier League game as as, as a manager. Big achievement. Um, weird one. Aspilicueta's run of 73 consecutive starts in the Premier League for Chelsea ended. First time he hasn't started since Swansea 2017. Palace failed to attempt a single shot in the first half. First time since um, 2014 against Swansea. Tammy Abraham is the youngest player to reach double figures for Chelsea in the Premier League after Iron Robin. And Tammy Abraham, the next test, he, he's proven, even proven before Chelsea he can score goals. I remember him having a productive season in Bristol. Obviously had a good season at Villa. Um, not the best of seasons at Swansea, but before he even got a real chance at Chelsea, he had 60 career Premier League, 60 career goals in the Championship and whatnot to his name people which is a good achievement the next step for Tammy is to get 20 league goals and you back him to get he's 
got a healthy return. What's he got? Ten, maybe eleven goals this season. You'd back him to probably um, get twenty by the end of the season. And the next step for him will obviously be to do that next season because I'd imagine if Chelsea want to go to the next level as great as Tammy's been, they want to bring in either have Tammy and have two top wingers, which they have got already, really, bring in another striker to compete with Tammy or different games, different options, really. Um, but big up Tammy, man, because he's showing he can do his thing, man. And um, we all banted Chelsea because Tammy Abraham took a while to, to, to really get going, but really and truly he's fit and firing and... You've got to keep the same energy. So I can only applaud Tammy Abraham and he seems to be the striker for England, if not Harry Kane, really. Um, Christian Pulisic, first time I've seen him score at Stamford Bridge. Forgive me if I'm wrong, he typically bags away from home. Um, he's the fourth American to score in three consecutive Premier League games. Um, so he's doing all right for his American people, them alive people, really. Um, so that's decent. That's decent from them. Um, from a Burnley perspective, they obviously... Oh, almost dropped the mic, people. Apologies, almost hit that. Um, from a Burnley perspective, they obviously defeated West Ham. There's surely got to be question marks over Pellegrini now. Um, yeah, Burnley have recorded consecutive top flight victories over West Ham for the first time since 1973. West Ham have now lost four of their last Premier League five game. Their last five games. West Ham have lost four of their last five games, drawing one. Before that, they only lost once in 11. So there's question marks, people, really, really and truly. Obviously, shout out to Burnley's young Dwight McNeil. He registered his fourth uh, Premier League assist this season, which is a joint high among Premier League English players. Harvey Barnes is there as well. Um, apparently, he's also just one of three teenagers to assist at least four goals in the five big Premier League, um, five big leagues this season. I do think McNeil can get a move to a slightly bigger club than Burnley. Um, so we'll see, man. Newcastle defeated Bournemouth people. Um, Newcastle obviously recorded back-to-back -back Premier League games for the Premier League wins for the first time since April. Bournemouth lost an away game in which they scored the first goal for the first time since 2017. Um, Bournemouth actually conceded their first Premier League goal in their last four games, ending a run of 392 minutes without conceding. Newcastle had 20 shots this match, which as an Arsenal fan, I can only envy. Um, so yeah, big up to them. Moving on to Southampton. Southampton have lost four consecutive home games at St Mary's for the very first time. Everton obviously ended. Everton sadly, obvious, sorry, obviously ended a run of four consecutive away defeats. Southampton are only the second time, second side in the Premier League to earn one point or fewer from their opening six games, and it's mad how. Southampton, Watford, at this moment in time, have to be considered genuine prospects for relegation people um so yeah um apparently each of southampton's last six goals have been scored by danny ings and james wood prowse which is decent tom davies scored his first premier league goal for everton um in 300 and in, in 553 days with his previous strike coming also against southampton in may 2018 spurs drew against sheffield united which is obviously going to be marred with var people if Sheffield were very unlucky and Spurs just continue to look a bit woeful at Arsenal. Spurs' tally of 14 points is their lowest um, after 12 games since 08-09, which I believe Hyundai Ramos was in charge. Spurs have obviously lost more points from winning positions than any other side this season of 12. How do you manage to be worse than Arsenal in that regards, people? I mean, you got to be really moving mad, really, surely, to get that. Um, Sheffield United are unbeaten, still unbeaten in 15 away Premier League games, drawing 10 and winning 5. That run goes back to, well, sorry, 15 league games in total because that run goes back to January last season. So 
shout out to Chris Wilder and his men turning up at many grounds all over the country and just spoiling everybody's day, essentially. Um, Spurs have obviously drawn back-to-back -back Premier League games for the first time since 2017. Spurs obviously failed to register a single shot on target in the first half at their stadium in the first time um, there at this, the new ground. The, the last time they managed to do this was in January um, against United at Wembley. Son obviously has scored five games in his last five for Spurs in all comps, as many as in his last 18 appearances. Um, so, yeah, obviously Watford defeated Norwich 2-0. Watford obviously registered their first Premier League win um, at the 12th attempt, ending a run of 15 league games without a victory, stretching back to April. Norwich are the sixth newly promoted team sorry, to lose as many as nine of their opening 12 Premier League games. Um, this was the first Premier League away win by a team starting the day on the bottom of the table since last November when Huddersfield Town beat Wolves 2-0. Um, Andre Green has scored more goals um, as a Premier in this this year. He scored more goals as a Premier League substitute than any other player, which is three goals. Um, in just two Premier League appearances, people, Delafer has been involved in six goals, scoring four and assisting two. Um Concerning though, Norwich are still without a home clean sheet this season, and and are one of only are one of only three teams without one. Southampton and rather shocks you than li to say Liverpool because I think Liverpool by their own standards they've probably fallen off a bit slight bit defensively, but they're on job defensively. Um, so you wouldn't have thought that. And I'd actually have to, I'm gonna go and look at Liverpool's results to actually verif verify that people because that one there shocks me a bit. That that one there shocked me. Obviously, Manchester United won against Brighton people, and shout out to Manchester United for getting back to winning, to getting back to winning ways. And again, it's more concerning as an as an Arsenal fan people because now United are unbeaten in their last seven games at Old Trafford across all comps, um, and obviously United are behind us, but it's going to get a bit techy for the Premier League um, top four spaces. So the more our rivals in Spurs and, and Spurs got a point at the end of the day, we got none this weekend. United took three, Chelsea won. Got to watch out for these things. Leicester as well are in there and Leicester probably get it. But yeah, from a Brighton perspective, they haven't won any of their last 15 away games against the big six, um, scoring just four goals and conceded 33 in, 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 pardon me, in return. Um, since the start of 17-18, Brighton have scored more on goals than any other side in the Premier League. Marcus Rashford scored his 30th goal for Manchester United at Old Trafford. Um, Martial has been directly involved in eight goals in his last 10 starts at Man United in all competitions. Man United also named their, their youngest starting lineup in the Premier League this season um, and their youngest since their 2 0 victory in 2017 against Crystal Palace. Shout out to Brandon Williams, the young Manchester United fullback, um, second player born in the 2000s to start a game. For Man United, obviously following on from Mason Greenwood. In the Midlands derby, Wolverhampton Wanderers beat Aston Villa two goals to one. Wolves obviously picked up their first top flight victory against Aston Villa in 10 games. Wolves have only lost one of their last 15, 14 sorry, games at home. Villa have kept just one clean sheet in 24 Premier League matches on the road. Um, so yeah man I know the bragging rights are for firmly firmly with Wolves right now in regards to the Midlands um, obviously you all saw Liverpool versus Man City I did think I don't think the Bernardo Silva one was a penny on reflection but there was definitely two other 
good shouts I believe Pep Guardiola's men had for penalty claims people and that game had everything man it had, it had everything in that game I do think flashpoints in that Joe Gomez and Sterling the VAR will probably take a lot from which I believe tactically Manchester City got wrong specifically Pep I think he got uncharacteristically he got his tactics wrong um, and I do think you could also lay blame at City's defeat because they had some they started the game very early very good very early and they failed to take their chances people and this is the way it goes, people. Um, we all know Klopp has a good record against Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola has a bit of a shaky record at Anfield. So it was a big test and they kind of failed it. They've dropped a lot of points this season. So it, for them to call, crawl it back, if they retain it, in, if they're able to win it for a third, and a third consecutive season, this will probably be their hardest feat yet. Um, so we'll see what happens. But for Liverpool, they've won 11 of their first 12 games in the Premier League this season. And obviously lead the league by eight point lead this um, league by eight points. Um, Guardiola has lost eight matches in all comps against Jurgen Klopp, three more than he has against any other gaffer. This is the second time this season Manchester City have conceded three goals in a Premier League game. Obviously, the Norwich fixture. Liverpool are unbeaten in seventeen home Premier League games against City, losing none, drawing five, and winning twelve. Last time they lost was two one in two thousand and three. Mo Salah's got some ridiculous stats, people. What He's been involved in 69 goals and 60 appearances at Anfield for the Reds in all competitions, getting 51 goals and 18 assists, scoring in three of his four home um, appearances against Manchester City. Pep Guardiola has also lost more away games at Anfield against Liverpool than he has at any other ground. Um, Mane has scored 22 Premier League goals at Anfield for Liverpool, which is also quite good. Manchester City conceded twice in the opening 15 minutes of a Premier League match for the first time since December 2016 against Leicester. So is there possible crack showing? I don't know, people. Obviously, Sergio Aguero probably let down a lot of fantasy league managers, as he did me, people, because this is ninth, his ninth match at Anfield in all competitions, and he's still not scored there for Manchester City. This is um, He obviously had 14 shots allegedly since he's been there. He's attempted 14 shots without ex without success across nine games, people. Um, so it's a, it, is a, it is a bit of a beauty one. Um, but yeah, like I said, people, I apologise for this podcast not coming out sooner. I, I actually did do the episode, but like I told you lot, technology is not my friend. So yeah, some other topics have been thrown into here, as you've seen. And yeah, man, I'll be back after the international break. I might do one at the weekend if there's anything I deem of significance to speak about. If not, we'll be back here the week of, well, I believe the week commencing 16th, 17th of November when the international break is technically done. I could be wrong. But yeah, people, on that note, people, deluded. I'm out. Stay safe. Thank you for watching and rocking and supporting each and every time as you lot do. DG, I'm out. Make sure you check out all my other platforms. I'm on YouTube for those of you who just know about my audio content, Deluded Guna. Follow me on all my socials, Deluded Guna 04 on everything. Only exception is Snapchat, which is DGuna04. Um, wouldn't let me have Deluded, but it is what it is. People, thank you for listening. Apologies for uploading the, the old podcast episode, but hopefully I've given you some decent content. But for now, stay safe. DG, I'm out. God bless.